0: Back on the US Sports Podcast, less than 24 hours before the NBA Finals begin. Today on the show, I've got author of the book Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry, and sports columnist for the Mercury News, Marcus Thompson. And we also have five finals questions for ESPN Vet and editor of the undefeated Mark Spears. Gold State, Cleveland for the third consecutive year. Who you got, folks? Why don't we get to know Steph Curry? a little bit more with a man who's covered number 30 since he entered the league he's marcus thompson sports columnist for the mercury news his new book golden the miraculous rise of steph curry is out now marcus thanks for joining me how are you today
1: oh man i am caught up in the whirlwind of nba finals but you know what i'm not complaining because the warriors used to be terrible and we would be off by now so <laughs> this is all
0: fun hey it's soon going to be game one thursday night here um how how how's it been? You've been around the practices uh, the last couple of days.
1: Oh yeah, we just I just left uh, the the media day, in essence, for the NBA Finals, where they're all together. The Warriors went first, and then the Cavaliers.
0: Uh, you know, everybody's
1: trying to play cool. Everybody's acting like it's not a big deal, but it's clearly a big deal. This is the trilogy, and this is what we've been waiting for for a long time.
0: Yeah, first time it's ever happened in NBA history, uh, three straight finals for these two. I, mean, I think perfect timing, really, with your book that came out in April. I read it over the weekend. It's very good. Uh, I made some notes throughout the throughout it, and there's a lot of stories in there. Oh, no, you finished it in a weekend? Oh, I did it in two days for this podcast. <laughs> wow, that's, pretty good. Are you that's thinking, pretty good. Are you thinking it's not long enough now?
1: I am. I'm thinking I needed a few more chapters if you were able to breeze through it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: When did you decide you wanted to to write a book about Steph?
1: When somebody offered me money to do it? (laughs) (laughs) That's the real answer, but, uh, you know, it it is a great story, and uh, I always envisioned writing a book with Steph, but he wants to do that at the end of his career. So, uh, you know, there was a publisher who really wanted a Steph book, so... I was like, "Yeah, hey, I can deliver that," you know, and it turned out to be pretty good, especially the timing of it all.
0: Yeah, starting with the childhood of, of Steph and the early stage of the book, they take you inside his family life, and and the most fascinating parts to me were how he met and then pursued Aisha, his wife, and his mum Sonia, being the biggest reflection of him and his and his siblings. Obviously, you talked about uh, Canadian sweets. You talked about how curry went to Hollywood to to go to the ESPYs when Aisha had moved out there, and eventually it all worked out. So what stood out for you the most about this couple? That they were, you know, Steph is such a big
1: star, right? He's like, he he can have, in many ways, any girl he wants, but the girl he knew when he was 14 is the one that kind of stole his heart. I think that was, for me, that was was nice. That was a... it was something to look forward to like just watching their kind of story develop and how, how real it is. Uh, That, that whole chapter meant a lot to me just because it was a chance to tell a story of a good person and how, and his origins. Like we got to talk about his mom and his whole career has been always about his dad and, and him. It's been Dale and Steph, but his mother was so important to him and contributed so much to his career but it was, it was great to tell that story. It was pretty, it was heartwarming, you know. It meant a lot to me. It made me call my mom and say, Mom, I love you.
0: <laughs> I think it was the one where, you know, you really found out a lot more about him and you went into his private life. And, and you said as well that Aisha kept him honest because she didn't care about basketball at the start, right?
1: Absolutely not. She, she was his, uh, you know, his escape from that. And, and Steph is one of those guys, you know, he wants to be down to earth, right? That's his goal he doesn't want to let the fame get to him. And, and he's real cognizant of making sure he doesn't change. But, but it's such a crazy lifestyle like these professional athletes have when you have all that money and all that adoration. Uh, you kind of got to put some safeguards in place. So in many ways, Aisha is what helped him prevent what he knew was possible, you know, because he knows, like, you could wake up one day and you're just a different person. And not even really see how it happened. Uh, and I think he knew that because he watched his dad experience the NBA lifestyle. So Aisha was the buffer always, even at Davidson when he was going on campus and everybody's allowing him to do whatever he wants. And I'm sure teachers were, you know, praising him and classmates are praising him. And Aisha's the one who's like, yeah, I don't care about that. You're supposed to meet me and you're five minutes late be on time right <laughs> you know so i think he welcomed that president's life because he knows if he's really good at this basketball thing it comes with some crazy stuff and if he's going to stay kind of grounded down to earth he needed somebody to help him and that was her
0: when you spoke to his mom sonia uh you talked about the volleyball at virginia how she got through injuries she was a real competitor what what traits did you take away and say man that is that is steph i can see steph in her right there
1: well, first off, it's like the, the the kind of fieriness, you know, like Steph, Steph is really competitive and it, he wears it on his sleeve, right? That's that's kind of his thing. So he's he's the guy screaming and, you know, punching the air and, you know, like he's just real fiery, like that's his mom. His dad was much more smooth operator, right? He was one of those guys, you didn't know how he felt, like every everything was the same, whether he missed the shot or made 10 in a row. He would, like, trot down court, like, with this smoothness, this Denzel Washington-type smoothness. His mom is, like, screaming and yelling and, you know, let's go. Like, his mom is like that. So that was one of the traits that really stood out, uh, how competitive she was learning about her. And then also, you know, the uh, like, Seth is very silly, and he likes to have a lot of fun. He loves practical jokes, and he loves just laughing and having a good time. That's also his mom. Like, his mom is totally, like, kind of goofball and silly and, and like she'll tell a joke and laugh at her own joke even if it's not that funny so she loves like a good hearty laugh and a good time and having fun that, like so, so some of those traits as you learn her and I got to know her and hear people talk about her you start saying you know what that's Steph you know that's Steph that sounds just like Steph and then especially like his faith you know his like devotion to his faith and how he kind of lets that guide him that's totally Sonia. Like you know, she's the one who's kind of uh, instilled that in him since he was a kid, and, and he and he stuck to it. So even now, you know, he, she's the one like who can kind of bring him back to center if she sees some things because they share that same like devotion to their faith.
0: There's a lot of questions nowadays about should the media vote for you know certain things like the all NBA teams. Uh, we had the story with Paul George, Gordon Hayward this summer. I'm just intrigued. On this subject of Steph Curry, you know, you talked about a lot of people want to see him come down to back to earth. But in terms of the media and covering him, how does it how does it affect your stories on Steph? It was a very positive book because he is such a good guy. How does it affect the way you report on him at all?
1: Well, it it, it affects in a way that I kind of want to reveal that, right? Like I want I want to tell that story in the same way I would tell that story if he was out here getting DUIs, right, <laughs> and getting arrested and having controversy. I, I, I think I think we're very quick to tell those stories. And, you know, we tell this very modern story about how he, you know, sometimes explodes and how he's a volatile human being. So part of my bent as a reporter is to kind of tell the human side and make sure, and, and paint the picture. And Steph's picture is really good. It's a good picture. It's a good, clean uh, image of a human. And I think that's worth telling. It definitely, like, I would be lying if I didn't say if I said it didn't shape my coverage. Because if somebody's a jerk to you, like, <laughs> it's just gonna impact you, right? If if somebody's mean to you, you might have to do some things to kind of show that you're trying to be objective. But people who are not good to me, you know, I feel a little bit less about writing a story about how much they suck. <laughs> if that sucks, I gotta. I'm like, hey. I'm about to write how much you suck, so you want to talk about it, right? He's going to get that benefit of the doubt because I know he's a good guy and he treats people well. So I'm not saying, like, I'm not human. We're all human, and I am clearly affected by people who are good to me just like I am by people who are not good to me. But that's not going to stop me from saying that turnover in Game 7 was unacceptable, right? <laughs> and he should have played better in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. So, so, And I think part of what makes Steph great is that you can criticize him. You can like offer him some critique. You can say what you see, and he doesn't take it personal. He doesn't get mad. Some other guys, you say it, and then they might come screaming at you in the locker room. But he's like, yeah, you were right. <laughs> I, I, I believe you. I, I agree with you in many ways.
0: Now, you know the behind-the-back is coming. In the next four to seven games, the behind-the-back is going to come <laughs> out again.
1: And you know what? If he nails it right, if it's a behind-the-back and it works, you, I'm. A, I can't wait to ask him. Like, how good does that feel? Was that behind the back pass for all your critics, for all the internet memes and vines, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it's a part of him. It's who he is. It's like you. You can't take it away. It's like Draymond. Like he's fiery and he's and, and he just he's so like high energy and passionate that sometimes it blows over. Like, and you just deal with it because that's that's a part of who he is. When you accept a, a player you got to accept all of it, right? And that's, that's Steph. Like, he's going to make a million great plays and highlights, and he's going to make, like, ten. What the hell was that, Steph, type plays, right? <laughs> that's just who he is. I
0: love, I love the anecdote about how he played on the JV team his freshman year at Charlotte Christian, and then he was he was a late varsity call-up, getting garbage playoff minutes, you said, and then he comes on, he beats a man, nails a three, and the, the Sean Brown, the head coach, turned to the assistant and said... Uh, you know, declaring the future of the program, basically. Is that how it worked?
1: That's absolutely how it worked. And what what really got him wasn't that he made the shot. What got him was that Steph looked so, like, normal. Like, it looked nothing to him. You know, uh, there there was one time where uh, we were in practice and Steph, like, dared me to... I think I was at, like, half court, and he dared me to take a shot, right? And I was like, man, I could make this, what? And he's like man, whatever, you can't play basketball. So I shot it. I had to be like, it, it was at least half court, maybe <laughs> further. So I shot it, and it went in, and every every fiber of my being wanted to run around the court, right, and celebrate because it was total luck, right? And so he tried to get me to shoot it again, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not shooting that again. Like, I already showed you what I need to show you. And, but that's like, I was active. Like, I, inside I, was, I was ready to scream, but Steph has had that, you know, disposition of, yeah, this is what I do. I come down, I take a shot, my first time on varsity, big game, you put me in, and that's what kind of his coach looked at him like, why is this guy so steely? Like, why is he so comfortable? And he's a freshman playing his first varsity game. And usually in that level you're supposed to have some nerves or sight or whatever, and he was just calm. It was like he'd been there before. And that's what you knew. Like, he was a prodigy. That's when this coach realized he was a prodigy. And that's the crazy part. About Steph really, like if it wasn't for his size, we would have been talking about him in the ninth grade because he was a prodigy he he was doing things that was way above where he's supposed
0: to be, but because he was a, like a little toddler in a in a in a basketball uniform, nobody even paid attention to it but you said as well that you know he wasn't even ranked among the best players in his state, and we've had we've got this obsession with size, even now, Isaiah Thomas, is he going to be traded? Come on if he was six foot four, averaging nearly thirty points a game. There'd be no talk of that. So, you know, why wasn't he ranked among the best players in his state? Was that the only reason, his size? It,
1: it, it was that's the only reason. It, he he was so small, you just couldn't see how he could survive in such a size-dominated league. It, it was, especially you got to remember, too, this is like, what, 2004, 2005, 2006 is when he graduated high school. These years, this is the peak of everybody's looking for the next LeBron James, right? LeBron came out in 2003, and he was like, an, by the time Steph was in high school, LeBron was already like an all star, like, oh, he's the next. And Kobe was on top of the league, and the obsession was the six foot six, six foot seven super athlete. That's what everybody wanted. Vince Carter was dominant at the time. That That's what the draw was. So you either wanted size or you wanted this superior athlete who could play like three positions and had great size and athleticism. Steph didn't have size. He didn't have jaw-dropping athleticism. So it was like, how could this little dude compete? And people just underrated skill. And I think that's one of the things, like, in, in, in the future, when we look back on this era and we start kind of evaluating Steph's contribution to the game, it will be the fact that we started valuing skill more than the genetics of it, or not even more than, but as much, right? Like you could win the genetic lottery or you could just be extremely skilled and somehow a smart GM will figure out how to use you. So in many ways, he brought skill back into the game instead of making it all about who won the genetic lottery.
0: A worrying, a worrying fact to me in this book: Curry was hoping to land with the Knicks in the '09 draft. Is that is that is that true? That's scary for me. If he'd have gone to New York, I don't know. That that couldn't have gone too well.
1: That's where he wanted, but that's how bad the Warriors were when you choose the
0: Knicks. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs>
1: He's begging. His agent was begging the Warriors not to take him. They did They refused to work out for the Warriors. They were trying to do all these things. To get the Warriors to not draft him,
0: and how many so people he did know not that?
1: work out with the Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully thousands though now if they read the book, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we wrote about it at the time, but the Warriors were so small time; nobody read it. You know, it was a local thing. But he he just didn't want to play with the Warriors. He they had a plan for him, business wise as a brand, and. That that meant being in New York and GQ and all of that and being on Madison Square Garden floor. That that's what he wanted, and the Warriors were so far from that. Like not just geographically, but philosophically, they were far from that. They were the team you went to to suck until you got good enough for somebody else to want you, <laughs> and that's that's what it was. He did, he did not want to play for the Warriors at all, but you know that's where his dad came in because. At that level, his dad taught him how to be a pro and how you, even if you don't want to be there, you go do your job. You, you do your work. You work on your game. You improve. You endure. The leadership of the franchise was terrible. The leadership in the locker room was terrible. It was just an all-around bad situation. But with his dad's guidance, he learned how to be a true professional in those first three years.
0: How many? Uh, I say in that draft specifically, you had Tariq Evans, Ricky Rubio, and then the last one, Johnny Flynn. I didn't. I didn't do the research on this. Where is Johnny Flynn right now?
1: He is not in the NBA. <laughs> he didn't. He lasted a few years, and it just did. It didn't work out for Johnny Flynn. And here's the odd part, right? Like Johnny Flynn was like five four. Yeah, you said
0: <laughs> it's very small, right? But he had he had He's the athleticism.
1: Yeah, he he was super. Extremely athletic. He was one of those guys who could jump out the gym. He was really strong. So you got to have something. you got to have either the size or athleticism. They prefer both. But if you don't have either, then you have a problem. And that's just how they thought then. And you could, like Isaiah Thomas, would he be Would he be given a shot if Steph didn't do what he did? If people didn't say, you know what, let's think about this little guy who can shoot past because there are some other guys who – live this like on the fringe's existence because they're small. Isaiah was one of them. Sacramento the Sacramento Kings gave up on Isaiah Thomas. Can you believe that?
0: I can I can the believe Sacramento that.
1: There, 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 could yeah, be, absolutely, right?
0: there could be fifty <laughs> Stephen Currys in the league and the Kings would still do that.
1: I have no question, after they've actually passed on him, but it
0: just
1: <laughs> I think he makes you look at the game differently and say all right, I know you don't have this, but I do see these other things you have, and how can we manipulate them? And I think the Warriors' whole franchise changed when they decided to take advantage of what he can do instead of being deterred by what he what he doesn't have physically.
0: It says Steph Curry on the on the front cover, but you you talk about how Curry's diligent not to get lost in the persona of this you know stereotypical NBA athlete. So he works extra hard to keep Stefan. And Stefan's voice inside, him prominent. How would you describe that Stefan character?
1: Stefan is like a, a a father-in-law, right?
0: You know who Stefan
1: is. Stefan is like the sitcom dad. <laughs> <laughs> you watch it like an American sitcom, and it's always like, you know, kind of corny and like audience-filtered in laughter. And the dad is like an extra who chimes in with a funny line here and there. Like that, Stefan. He's like very low-key. You know, you know, funny sometimes, but also kind of corny, and very like very regular, like real down to earth. It's one of the one of the things that really stand out when you meet Steph, is because you know we see all these guys, right? And a lot of them, when you meet them, they have a superstar aura. It's not like you know when you meet LeBron James that you just met one of the biggest stars in the world, and he's a nice guy, but he he just oozes that wow, that's LeBron James, and you meet Steph, and you're like, wow, like, like I could probably live next door to Steph and don't even know it, <laughs> he, that's, he just got that real vibe, uh, that's Steph, the guy who likes to, you know, who, who when he meets you, he'll ask you your name, and then like, care enough to say, oh, like, I don't like your shoes, you know, do you like those shoes, you know, and not like passing you on, or just doing the, I'm gonna be nice just for the show. But, you know, ask you a question or two just so he can kind of build a rapport with you. He's got – that that's who Stefan is, that guy who can sit and watch golf all day and eat candy. Like, he, he's a real – I'm telling
0: you, he's a sitcom dad. It might be actually my next project is to write a sitcom centered on Steph with him as the dad. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Um, I, along with the book. Know, right? Along with the book after he's <laughs> retired as well. You, and you've got the podcast Correct, with Jameon right? Green. You've got too many projects. He sound
1: like my wife now <laughs> hey, Marcus, got too many projects. <laughs> we need
0: more we need more home time, Marcus. Come on, we need you at home that's correct <laughs>
1: that is correct
0: hey some something that I picked up on as well this theme with monterellilis uh obviously he was saying when Curry joined the team that you know two small guards ultimately can't win. You had Don Nelson who'd flown to Ellis's place in Memphis to say we're not going to draft a point guard Then they did. And then you you wrote about how Monte Ellis didn't give high five to Curry when they subbed in and out for each other. It took a while for Curry to get that high five. Um what's their relationship like now? Do they speak?
1: Oh yeah, they're cool actually. It was it was interesting because when they were teammates, it didn't take it took them a while, but like maybe halfway through the year, like Steph earned Monte's respect. And part of it was because Monte played with Baron Davis and Stephen Jackson. And they have that very alpha male persona, and Steph doesn't. So, like, Steph just doesn't get that inherent credibility as someone who's tough, someone who you go to battle with, right, someone who you go down an alley with. He just doesn't give off that vibe. But he kind of has that same demeanor, demeanor once you get to know him. And I think Monte got to know him and was like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy's tough. Like, yeah, yeah he he's got it. Uh, there was a moment. I don't even think I put this in a book, but there was a moment when um, Mate Ellis got married, and or he was getting married, and Steph got an invitation. And when he got the invitation, Steph was like, "Okay, now I'm official. Now that mean, that that means that <laughs> means I'm I'm really part of the clique because
0: I've made it." That was
1: Mate saying, "You're one of us, right?" Yeah, he said, "I made it," and you know, Steph appreciates that type of stuff. But he he definitely had to earn monte's respect because monte was very old school and his approach uh he was the small guy basically but he was six foot three and he's like super fast like an incredible athlete if you're going to be small it was going to be like that and steph wasn't that so he's like everybody else looking like what are we supposed to do with this this small guy who's not athletic and he got two of us together so steph had to he had to like earn his stripes and he did
0: it just sounds bizarre. If you got into the NBA three years ago, you're thinking, "Why is Steph Curry having to prove himself to Monte Ellis, who is coming off the bench <laughs> in Indiana?" Like, what? This doesn't sound right. It's so true. <laughs> but look, that
1: just shows you. That just shows you, like, where the Warriors franchise was. Because I'm telling you, Monte was one of the best players the Warriors had, like in that era of mediocrity, right? He was the guy who can go out and get 26, 30 points. It was fun to watch him do it because he was electrifying in how he played. And, you know, these other stars would come to town, and Monte would, you know, like I wrote in the book, he would land a couple of haymakers. You know, he wouldn't beat them, but it was like, you know, he, he got a couple shots in, and he felt better about the Warrior status. So all of this stuff is just new. This whole Warriors' dominance thing is just, this it's so new now i, I don't think people understand how mu- how dif- different it is on the outside looking in but Monte was a legitimate star and people were upset when he left <laughs> 3 years ago that's how it was now that sounds ridiculous
0: yeah they were very very upset um a couple for th- a couple more for you i know you got to go um there was a really poignant quote you had about how i'll read it out you said he's not revered as one of the greats by the society of nba players For the better part of two years, it was clear he wasn't overwhelmingly welcomed. What is Curry's image to those who doubt him around the league? And you kind of point to that snigger that Westbrook had when a reporter asked KD, you know, is he an underrated defender?
1: So he's the guy that almost gets the kind of uh, teacher's pet kind of moniker or, you know, label, you know, behind the scenes, right? The cool kids in the back of the class are like, oh, man, you're a teacher's pet. I think they feel like he got a lot of adoration and a lot of love, and he didn't fully earn it and you know normally to get to the level that he's at, you gotta go through the fire, you gotta be scrutinized, you gotta be counted out, and then you have to overcome and that's kind of how the the wave goes, and he didn't have to do the overcome. He just came onto the scene and all of a sudden he was just there, and they were like. Man, you only got here because, I mean, you're good, but you also you have this image and aura about you, this wholesome image that people like, so you get a pass in a sense. That that's kind of the vibe you got, even still to this day. There's like these little veil shots, like even now, people. If you ask people, who would you rather start your franchise with, Stephen Curry or Kyrie Irving? and, you know, 90% of people, in the, like former players or maybe even current players, will say Kyrie Irving. Even though the truth is, that actually happened. Two franchises started, one started with Stephen Curry and one started with Kyrie Irving, and one of them made the playoffs to end up winning a championship, and the other was, was terrible until LeBron came. So the scenario <laughs> actually happened that showed, like, Steph Curry took the Warriors from nothing, to a champion, Kyrie couldn't get him into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference until LeBron came. So even though, like, the evidence is overwhelming, he just doesn't get that credibility because it just came out of nowhere. It's so new. It's so fresh. Nobody saw this coming. That's why that's why it's called a miraculous ride, even though, like, his dad is in the NBA, was in the NBA. It's miraculous because normally to get to steps level, we knew you when you were 15 years old and we've been watching you. We knew you in the McDonald's All All American Game, and we saw you dominating college. And you know, we were, like it was just—it's been a storyline. But he just popped up in 2014. For many, Seth was born in 2014. That's when he was born, and because of that, it was just a hard reality for the other superstars to to, to accept.
0: And 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 going up forward from that character of his—the playfulness, the joy—that you know, you said keeps a certain spirit about the team. Have we ever seen? Do you think? Such a seamless transition with a, a superstar like Kevin Durant joining a bunch of other superstars. Has it ever been so seamless before? Not
1: at like at this level, right? I mean, these are they added an MVP, <laughs> they added you know like a Hall of Famer, and you know Boston did, and LeBron LeBron added, coming to Miami and and Chris Bosh was was relatively seamless considering they were adding two stars. But they they had a relationship already, like they Lebron and Wade were already friends, and you know there were some issues with at first and all that. So we've seen this happen where it it has been relatively seamless. But to bring for an MVP to bring on another MVP, and there's not at least one locker room fight. <laughs> <laughs> like normally we would get something, right? We've got nothing. Like they sit at ch they sit they sit with each other at team dinner and they just laugh the whole time. That's amazing. Like at, yeah, it's amazing. yeah, they're both kind of wired different. I think there's something to the fact that remember LeBron said Miami was his college years and he came back home to Cleveland. There's something to this ideology that a player who, you know, was dumped millions of dollars into his wallet at 22 years old, all this adoration and all of these perks, there's a part of you that, that wants to enjoy them all. And life is about all of that stuff. It's about getting the money, getting the fame, getting the women, all that. And then you hit about 28, 29, especially if, you, if you've got some accolades, you've got some real stars, you've got all the money, you've had your fun. At some point, it's like, all right, you know, I'm growing up some. I'm getting more mature. Different things are mattering to me. I think Steph and KD are both at that point in their lives where it's like, you know, all of the accolades and the whole I'm the best player stuff, like they don't need it anymore. They're kind of over it and looking for something more fulfilling. So I think not only are these two unique, like, individuals in that they are just really down-to-earth guys, but they, they kind of came to each other at the right spot in their lives. So Kevin Durant doesn't need any more attention. And Steph Curry doesn't need any more attention. And they're both kind of like, I- I'm off of that stuff. I've done that. I want something new, something more fulfilling, something that makes work more meaningful. And they found that kind of in the brotherhood of the Warriors because it's really like five of them that are like brothers who laugh and play all the time and get on each other and scream at each other. And make up, and they're like brothers. So I think they like that element, and they were looking for it together.
0: Well, here's my theory, right? If Durant tried to pick a fight with Curry, Curry's too nice to pick a fight on. If if he tried to pick a fight on Clay Thompson, Clay probably wouldn't even look up from his lap because he's so relaxed. And then you've got Draymond, who would probably murder him if he picked a fight on him. So he's gonna stay. He's gonna stay quiet and do his thing.
1: Right. I think Steph might say, I do Steph always trying to fight people
0: to prove he's not soft. Oh, well. <laughs>
1: he just tried to have to fight with Roy Hibbert, Trevor and They always are bigger dudes, right?
0: <laughs> Hang on. What happened with Roy Hibbert?
1: <laughs> oh, years ago, like, it was David Lee and Roy Hibbert got into a little spat, and Steph Curry stepped in the middle, and, like, Roy Hibbert just, like, kind of cast Steph aside, like, threw him like it was like a rag doll. You know, because Roy Hipper's like seven one, three hundred pounds. So Steph tried to get in the middle and Roy Hipper throws him to the side, so Steph got mad and tried to go at Roy Hipper. <laughs> and it's like, Hey Steph, he's seven foot one but you know, he had to show he wasn't soft.
0: <laughs> hey, it's Sonia Curry full circle. Um Absolutely. There you go, we've we've made it we've made it round. Um the final starts tonight. Um I love my favorite line from the book. All that's left is NBA Finals dominance. It's the one card his tri- his critics can play. So what happens here then? You talked about um, how he's only had you know two signature performances in 13 Finals appearances. What do you think's going to happen considering he's had a really strong postseason so far?
1: I think it's set up for him to have a big Finals, just because number one he's healthy. But
0: but I think the critical thing
1: is, and this is why you go and get a Kevin Durant. They just can't double-team him recklessly like they do. Cleveland is great at it. They'll put LeBron on him, or they'll have Tristan Thompson, like, blitz him and force him to make the pass. They just can't do that now because Kevin Durant's on the other side. So that's the part that's a little bit like, wow, what are they going to do about Steph? What are they going to do about how to guard him? Because if you put Kevin Durant and Draymond and Clay. Four on three with the rest of your defense, like that's you asking for problems. So do they play him straight up? You know, is LeBron occupied by Kevin Durant so much that he can't get in on the Stephen Curry defense? Like, what's their plan? And if their plan is to not double Steph, he's he's going to be free, right? He's like, oh, this is what I've been hoping for. <laughs> this is this is this is the plan, right? No double teams, no traps, just one on one. So I think it's kind of set up for him to have a good series. Not to mention he's been playing well, and, you know, he really wants this. So I think game one will be a good barometer. If he struggles shooting the ball and he starts pressing, then, you know, it might be business as usual and he might have to be sacrificed to kind of, like, draw the defense and allow Kevin Durant to go off. But I think he's going to be looking to prove people that he can play in the finals. I think that's, that's on, his wish, on his to-do list.
0: Yeah, I'm just glad we've got no ankle or knee talk, but we are already hearing about a a, a swollen elbow. Come on, Marcus, a swollen elbow might be the reason the Cavs sweep.
1: Uh, No, I don't even think he's taking that excuse.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. That's funny. Uh, Last one. Um, This was all about Curry, and I think people might have missed this line from you. You said that the three-pointer might eventually be what allows the first woman to play in the NBA. Can you expand on that, and then I'll let you go.
1: I think the emphasis on skill and not on physical ability, the willingness to kind of use that, right, and say, well, you have this ability, how do we use it? Uh, how do we maximize it? Which is the question the Warriors had to answer with uh, Steph Curry. Like, how do we make this happen? How can we take advantage of somebody who can dribble and shoot and and know how to make a play? Then you start looking at it it's like, hey, you figure out a way for Isaiah Thomas, and as the game as the game gets more about skill spreads open, so now it's not about guarding a three point line but you gotta guard thirty to thirty feet out. It's just it's just the, the foundation, the setting to take away the reasons that women can't play with men. And it's all physical. That's all it is. It's not smart, right? It's not skill. It's all how are you going to guard somebody who's like six foot eight and can jump out of the gym and is strong. If you start carving away at those things, now if you get somebody, you know, who's really strong and for, you know, for a female, can kind of hold her own and, and has the skill set, there's a, There might be a team who down the line to say, you know what, let's figure out how to use that, especially if you can shoot. If you can shoot like crazy in the NBA, they're going to find a place for you. Jimmy Ferdinand is about to make his way back because he's lightened it up in China, and now people are more savvy at using it, at taking advantage of it. So if you get a woman who has all this skill and maybe, you know, has kind of has some physicality to her so she doesn't get just obliterated, then, you know, maybe that starts happening. But now everybody's playing small. It's like four guards in a big. You know, if this continues and basketball becomes global, I think you might start seeing some people take a shot at it and say, hey, what's up? Well, maybe we can make this work.
0: The CVs are going to start coming. Are you, are you hiking, by the way?
1: No, I'm not hiking, but I did just get in the car, and all of a sudden it went to the, <laughs> 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 it went to the car thing. Okay with oh. all of that on the was all of that on the car? You want me to answer that again? Oh
0: no, not at all. It just it sounds like you're exerting okay. a lot of energy right now. Burning some practice stress. Nah nah nah.
1: nah. You know what I'm saying? I need to. to hey, be honest, well, I do need to. But.
0: Please uh say hello to the sunshine for me, won't you? Because 'Cause I'm in London right now and it's probably not as same as Oakland is.
1: Alright, so if I if I come out there in September, uh I'm gonna need some travel tips for you.
0: Absolutely. Well, the Premier League will be on. So I live next door to the uh, Emirates Stadium where Arsenal play. So, so
1: Ooh.
0: if that's is that not your team? Ooh, yeah. Who's yeah. your team? Uh
1: yeah, I can go with Arsenal. I do like watching it. I don't really have a team. I should probably get a team before I go, right? You should. You should. When I was when I was younger, I liked the whole Man U thing just because it just seemed real cool. But
0: didn't we all? I'm
1: kind of off them.
0: Yeah, well, I know, right? <laughs> D- David Beckham was in our hearts and our minds, and then he moved to your guys' your guys' place.
1: Who does Neymar play for?
0: He plays for Barcelona. So if you want to make a trip to that's Spain as well, that's my team. That's your yeah, team. That's my team right there. I can. Tra- I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, sense love, I love Neymar. <laughs> I can sense a trend here: United, Barcelona, Golden State. There's a lot of glory. That's correct. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what years of suffering do. Um, that's correct well thank you very much for I appreciate you having me on though no I appreciate no you coming on Thanks, you great book go and buy it everyone golden um, and yeah enjoy the finals Marcus thank you
1: I will alright have a good
0: one how great was Marcus Thompson he's going to have a fun couple of weeks in the Bay Area and Cleveland I wanted to read a quick segment from the book that I really liked I obviously didn't want to go through it with Marcus in too much detail you got to go and find you've got to go and buy the book There's loads of really great stories in there, and I hope he gave you a flavour of it. Um, This is the section I wanted to read out, and it's really poignant as we move into the finals coming up tonight. The question isn't whether Curry is a star. The doubt surrounding him now is whether he was as good as he had appeared, whether he ever really deserved the relentless hype and historical comparisons, whether the novelty of his dominance led to an exaggeration of that dominance whether he really is, in the ilk of LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, the once-in-a-generation types who carried the league to new heights. Now, it's fair game to question his postseason record, which is littered with magical performances, but overall doesn't match his regular season gaudiness. It's common to explain away his high-volume production as a result of something other than his worthiness. He thrives because he has the ultimate green light. His production is high because his teammates are good. He's only doing this because the league is watered down. The stakes are different. The level is higher, but the position is all too familiar. Curry is now shrouded in doubt. He is back in the position where he needs to prove himself. Well, we are right now in that position. He is in that position. Marcus talked about that behind-the-back pass he made in Game Seven, which Clay Thompson couldn't get, and the Cavs pulled it out. There was no scoring in the in a, over a three-minute stretch. Towards the end of game seven, it was Kyrie Irving who hit the big three over Steph Curry. This is an important series for everyone. It's stating the obvious to say that every player wants this, but Curry, he knows how it feels to win. He knows how it feels to lose, having been up 3 1. All the pressure. He has his doubters. If you read the book, players doubt him now after two MVPs, the first unanimous MVP winner, a a championship. They still think he wasn't supposed to get here, and he wasn't supposed to do it like this. And I learned so much in this book. So many cool facts. The first ABA game was played at Oracle Arena, where Steph Curry obviously now calls home. And the ABA introduced the three-point line. It embraced it. The first conference to be sanctioned by the NCAA to use the three-point line back in the day was the Southern Conference. Guess what? Davidson. Curry's former college calls the Southern Conference home. He talked about Kobe Bryant and his daughters at All-Star Game in Toronto, the final one of Bryant's career. His kids just wanted a photo with Steph. And Marcus writes it as a tease as a father approaches Steph with his daughters and says, look, my girls love you. Can they have a photo? And then he reveals that it's Kobe who's the one asking for the picture. Rick Welts, the Golden State president, was the first openly gay executive in pro sports. 2012 and 13 season, I did not know how important Jarrett Jack was to that team. Stephen Curry was an all-star snub in 2013. David Lee was the player who broke the Warriors' 16-year all-star game drought. 2014, Curry, the, the year after, led guards in voting. 2015, he led all players in voting. And 2016, he was the face of the league. That's exactly what Marcus said. Go and buy the book Golden. It's really good. And if you want to know things like Brian Witt of Warriors.com tweeted hashtag Splash Brothers back on December 21st, 2012. That was where it was born. These are the things you need to know, guys. These are the things you need to know. I'm not going to tell you how Baby Assassin came up. Go and find out for yourselves. Once again, the book is called Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry. The finals. Who's going to win the series? Is it going to go seven games? Let's get into the matchup. Five questions for the undefeated Mark Spears coming up Mark before the finals topics I just watched LeBron's comments following his Los Angeles house getting vandalized reportedly the N word was sprayed onto it the line that stood out no matter how much money you have no matter how famous you are being black in America is tough I assume you're going to follow up with this what do you make of his comments
2: yeah my colleague uh, with the undefeated Mike Wise he's he's writing about it and uh, I, I think it's true you know I'm just happen to be black in in America and you you just it's just amazing how the silly stuff you deal with your whole life and you know last time I checked all around the world when somebody was born nobody asked us what race we wanted to be you're born what you're born so I mean it's just uh, racism has always been silly ridiculous and uh, disgusting to me Um, but you know, the good thing, I think, with sites like the ESPN's Undefeated, you know, we, we don't have any problem making you uh, feel uncomfortable. We we talk about these things. We, we dig into these things. Uh, we we have conversations about these things. And, you know, you're never going to change everybody. You know, people are a product of their environment. And, you know, racism has been around since, you know, uh, beginning of time, you know. So... <laughs> Uh, I don't know that it ever ends, but uh, you know, here's to hoping that this next generation uh, sees color a lot less than than a lot of people do today.
0: Certainly hope so. Um, I've got five questions for you about the finals um, before you carry on with your busy day. Um, number one, what is a more dangerous prospect, good or bad? Kevin Love playing as he did in the Eastern Conference final series, or Clay Thompson continuing his shooting slump?
2: Um. So if if Clay Thompson can shoot well, I think the Warriors are just unbeatable. You know, he certainly has to adapt. Still, they're still struggling to adapt to his new. Um, I don't. Well, you can't call it a new role now, but you know, being a third third guy. Um, you know, they they're not looking to him as much. He's still getting the touches, but it's not in the same rhythm. So. I believe that that's a big part of his struggles but you know he's he's well rested they've had chance to work on some things you know if he is tough if he is clay uh, I just I just can't see LeBron and Kyrie included Cleveland keeping up with the Warriors from a scoring standpoint now as far as Kevin Love is concerned you know he's going to get Draymond Green on him a lot uh, NBA defensive player of the year um I think Draymond's had some success against Kevin Love. Um, I know that's a really, really tough matchup and a and a great matchup to watch. So um, this is a different challenge for Kevin Love, uh, but he he's certainly talented, and uh, um, Draymond will have to be on his A game as well.
0: Who's the most important role player in this series?
2: Uh, I think it's uh, Kevin Durant, man. I mean, he. He comes in with a lot of pressure, you know. People hating on him because he decided to come to the Warriors. Um, he comes with uh, pressure of wanting to win that first championship. He comes with pressure of, you know, validating himself. I mean, you know, he told me that win or lose, he's happy with his decision. It was a hundred percent correct decision to go. But if they were to win championship. He's the guy I'm immediately turning to and looking to see his emotions. I'm sure he'll he'll be, you know, very emotional uh, either way. Win or lose, I think he'll be very emotional either way. But if they do win, I, I think his mind can finally relax and he'll know for sure that, I mean, I, I think he believes that, that this was the best decision for him. But if he wins a championship, who could say it was the wrong one?
0: Looking back on this last season and what we know now, if you had to pick one, who would you rather have a point guard for this series and why? Stephen Curry or Kyrie Irving? Um,
2: shoot, I want both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I want both of them. I, I mean, they're great for their teams. Kyrie, I call them, and I don't know if they understand baseball terms that much in England, but I, he's like a, a closer in baseball, guy that shuts the game down as, as well as anybody. Uh, Mariano Rivera, if, if you know baseball at all, yeah. he's like that. He's the, he's the best guy I've seen at closing games since Paul Pierce. Uh, very clutch shooter. He's smart offensively. Uh, still shoots the mid-range jumper. His crossover game, his dribbling ability, is, is even Stephen Curry included, is the best in the league. He can get a shot off wherever he wants. He's not... Neither one of these guys are the greatest defenders in the world. Although Steph has gotten better, but offensively, I mean, Kyrie's is basically unguardable, and it's up to him on whether you know he makes a shot or not. As far as Steph Curry, he's finally healthy. Um, last year, he wasn't healthy. He was in, definitely wasn't himself in the finals. Kind of limped his way through it. He probably maybe five, ten years from now, he'll be really honest about how beat up his body was. But he's well-rested now, ready to go now. And he's certainly unguardable and unstoppable as well.
0: Now, amazingly, Mike Brown was the guy who introduced me to Too Short. Uh, You must have enjoyed that little interview uh, with Brown after the Spurs series. What will be the biggest test for him with the return of Steve Kerr still very much unclear?
2: Uh, Well, the funny thing is, in in undefeated on Thursday, I will have a story. I'm actually uh, starting a story. Uh, about Too Short I talked to Too Short About Mike Brown saying that He, he was going to rock Too Short on, the, on a flight back From San Antonio And that he was a Too Short fan And Too Short was actually pretty excited about hearing that Thought it was cool And uh, he'll he's going to be a game one of the NBA Finals He's an Oakland legend And the Warriors would have win it I wouldn't be surprised if he was involved with the parade this time
0: <laughs> Let's hope so Do you think this is going to be more challenging for Mike Brown this stage? I mean, he's been there before, but without Steve Kerr.
2: Well, I mean, his his team's a lot better now than it was in two
0: (laughs) thousand seven. Say that again. (laughs) You know, uh,
2: he's um, he's got a great, great team, um, and I think at this point, that you know, there's going to be some stresses and some challenges. um, But he's coached in the finals before, and they basically do what they do. It's like basically giving a guy the, you know, the, the recipe to Kentucky Fried Chicken. It might not be the same chef, but they're basically using the same ingredients. So I, I think he'll be fine. Um, uh, it, it'll be a great redemption for him if, if the Warriors are to win. I mean, he's get payback on a team that's fired him twice and is still paying. So I'm sure <laughs> that's about to get his good as it can get for somebody that's been fired twice from a place, to get redemption on your old employer. So, you know, we'll uh we'll see how this goes, but if it increases either way, especially probably when they get to Cleveland, uh you know, Mike Brown will be a big story.
0: Yeah, and it's certainly another another reminder of LeBron's longevity. Uh last one for you, Mark. Uh finish this sentence. If LeBron James leads the Cavaliers past this Kevin Durant version of the Warriors, Repeat the sentence again. If LeBron James leads the Cavaliers past this Kevin Durant version of the Warriors,
2: oh, um, he's walking into an atmosphere of, of Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and, and and Bill Russell. Put him in the elite room. This is by far probably going to be the toughest challenge that he has. He certainly got some you know, lucky breaks along the way, but the Warriors, injuries, and drama late in the finals last year, and Ray Allen hitting a big shot to save him in two championships. But championships are championships, and if he could somehow get past the biggest giant he's ever had to face in a superstar team with four all-stars, and with a fifth guy that is an all-star caliber player, man, you, you certainly even the guys that aren't the biggest LeBron fans have to tip their hat.
0: There you go, Mark. Thank you for your time. I had Marcus Thompson on earlier. Have you uh, managed to purchase Golden yet? I'm sure you don't have to purchase it yet. Man, he gave me two free copies. (laughs) There you go.
2: (laughs) But I I feel like I need to buy one just to support him. But he actually has a a book signing in the Oakland suburb of Emeryville on Wednesday night, and I'm going to go by there to support him.
0: Great. Well, thank you for your time, and enjoy the finals. It was good to speak to you again.
2: Buy his book. Buy Marcus's book.
0: (laughs) Go do it. I plugged it a lot on this show already. Holding. And then uh, if I ever get a book, by my, <laughs> We'll look forward to it.
2: All right now. Take care. Thanks, Mark.
0: There you go. Mark Spears, Marcus Thompson. What a great show. Loved it. And I cannot wait to stay up 2 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the morning minimum earliest to watch these NBA Finals. I want a great series. My prediction, Warriors in 6 You've got Kevin Durant added to that team. Let's not underestimate Cleveland, though. They have the best player in this series, Iman Shumpert. Only kidding. LeBron James. Their plan B is Kyrie Irving. That's not bad. They've added Kyle Korver. Tristan Thompson is one of the best role players in the NBA. Got Got his swagger back with that right hand in the postseason. Do not underestimate Cleveland. I did so last year. I said the Warriors in six. I'm doing it again. I haven't learned my lesson. Enjoy it, folks. We'll be back next week. Dennis is going to come back onto the podcast after game two. We're going to break it down wherever the series stands. So I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening. Please do go onto iTunes if you like what you've heard. Please leave a review, subscribe, download on iTunes, the US Sports Podcast, and rate the show as you wish out of five stars. We're also on Audio Boom. I'm on Twitter at Max Everyone out there, hope you enjoyed the podcast. And, of course, enjoy the NBA Finals. Speak to you next week.